Okay, gang, welcome to Money Talks. I'm your host, Bill Barheit, founder and CEO at Abra. We have a lot to talk about. I have a very short window to do it all in today. I'm traveling and lots going on, so I'm going to get into it. Um, I was just uh, on my way back from uh, uh, Dubai, actually, and had to make a last-minute stop in both London and New York, so we missed last week. I, I apologize for that. Had a, a fantastic time uh, on on the road, got to see uh, a lot of friends. I was at uh, the Satoshi Roundtable in uh, in Dubai. Normally, it's in Mexico. If there's any hardcore crypto folks watching, I don't know. Many of you are are kind of closet crypto economists and and, and love money talks for that. But if you're hardcore, you may want to apply for next year. It's it's a super interesting event. Uh, we had it in Dubai for the first time. Uh, it's it's really meant for folks in the industry and and a few uh, key outsiders and influencers. Uh, I've met Ron Paul there. Obviously, made a tremendous number of friends over the years uh, in, in kind of the, the crypto OG world. We definitely need a lot more women in crypto and a lot more women at the roundtable. I actually co-hosted a session at the roundtable on CFI versus DeFi, a topic which you know is, is near and dear to my heart. And it was really well attended. It's kind of a self-organizing thing. There's no schedule of events. There's no uh, invited speakers. You basically come, you hang out with your friends and you self-organize and we talk about where it's all going. Anyway, it was really fun. Thanks to Bruce Fenton and his awesome team for organizing. Uh, lots of folks from the UAE government were present. Uh, it was really interesting to get their perspective. I had a chance to record a session with Defiance TV. Uh, they also, if you don't know, rebroadcast Money Talks on Defiance Media, which goes out on lots of channels on uh, Apple TV, Google Television, Roku, and, and, and other uh, platform super cool. They've been really, really nice to Abra and been big supporters of Money Talks over the years, not just uh, to bring it to you on YouTube and on the podcast channels, but also via these amazing uh, TV channels that are out there. So check out the video. There's a link to it uh, on my Twitter feed, which I retweeted yesterday, and you can check that out. Uh, Dubai is booming. Right. I mean, it's crazy. There is so much going on there. I moved to Silicon Valley in the early, early 90 time frame uh, when I was at Stanford and then working for NASA. And and uh, it, it has that kind of energy right now. The early days of Silicon Valley doesn't have the university infrastructure, but to some degree, those times have passed. Right. I mean, you've got, you know, kids started companies at 18, 19. The entrepreneurial spirit is raging. Uh, they love crypto in, in Dubai. Um, there's all kinds of support for crypto. You see crypto signs everywhere. Here, here's a couple of signs. What I saw so many, I mean, there, I didn't know this. There are hundreds, literally hundreds. I'm not exaggerating. Hundreds of companies in the crypto space that have set up shop in Dubai now, right? You can buy luxury cars. You can rent automobiles using crypto. Um, I just met so many people from the West who basically just completely picked up, moved, set up shop in Dubai the same way that um, people did the same thing, moving out to Palo Alto and San Jose in the uh, 80s and, and 90s, even before San Francisco was a thing. Anyway, super interesting. Um, really enjoyed my time there. And I look forward to going back soon. All right, let's get into uh, the price action. All right, lots going on. Now, when I spoke to you a couple of weeks ago, 
I had mentioned that we were due for a pullback, right? So two weeks ago would be February 3rd. Let's go back to February 3rd. Bitcoin was trading at about 23,500. And I said, I expected a pullback to between 21 and 20,000. Now, we didn't really get the full pullback that I was expecting. We only got to 21,400 on an intraday low and didn't even finish close to that. We propelled higher. And then, of course, the following couple of days, uh, including three days ago, we had a massive move to the upside with a 10% plus uh, intraday swing on uh, that was the 15th of February, two days ago, which propelled us back temporarily on the 16th to the 25K level. And we've since pulled back um, to 24,000. We seem to be consolidating for a couple of days in this 24K area, which tells me a couple of things, right? Um, I don't think we're going to get a bigger pullback unless there's some, some news, right? The, the, the economic news is mixed at best. We're getting some strong indicators that say, hey, the Fed may want to tighten for longer and harder than they're, what they're currently indicating. That is not having a negative impact. We're going to get into crypto news in a minute. It has been an ugly, ugly week in crypto newsland. And look what's happened to the prices. We've shrugged it off, kind of, you know, George Carlin line, a bad case of fleas, right? And crypto's plowing ahead higher. So, so I don't know what it would take to bring this market down at this point. But I think given the fact that the Treasury Department is emptying its coffers uh, because of what's happening with the um, uh, the debt ceiling issue, uh, we've got probably three or four more months of this move higher before I think we get a large correction. And then the correction will depend upon, uh, you know, are we in a recession? And if we are in a recession, I think the markets continue to plow higher. If we're not and we get a either, you know, a soft landing uh, or you know, just blew it off the recession. There is no recession. I think the uh, markets are going to have a major correction. Uh, okay. We'll see. We've got a few months, I think, to ride this wave. It's a really good time uh, if you're um, looking to get into the crypto markets to get in. And we'll come back to that in a minute. But look, you know, there's no doubt about it. The correction that I thought was going to happen did happen. Nothing goes straight up. It wasn't as far and deep as I actually wanted. I actually wanted a bigger correction because that those corrections act like potential energy. What is potential energy in risk on assets? Potential energy is usually uh, an unwinding of leverage. Okay, so what happens is, is that you get euphoria to the upside, you get pessimism to the downside, and you get over leverage relative to those bets. Extreme greed leads to over leverage uh, to the upside. Extreme fear leads to over leverage to the downside. Unwinding of either of those leverages represents normally a huge, big unwinding move in the opposite direction, like the uncoiling of a rubber band. So basically, when we have those pullbacks, it's because we got a little bit over levered, sells off, market sells off, excuse me, you get a, a bit of a, of a long squeeze like we got, and the rubber band is wound up again, boom, ready for big move to the upside. Now, this market wants to go higher. So it's going to take those um, unwinds as a quick rewind of a rewind of the rubber band to propel us higher. I've talked to you about this over the years on Money Talks. You all know this. And now it looks like because the market wants to go higher, there wasn't enough um, time to basically wind the rubber band up a little bit tighter, which I think would have been a better place for us to start the next move up. But look, it is what it is. The market is going to do what the market's going to do. The most important thing here is not my opinion, it's price. And, and price leads the way. And price is telling us right now 
uh, we're in we're in a pretty bullish situation. Let's look at this for a second. I don't want to dwell on charts, but as you know, um, I, I don't um, spend too much time on charts. But let me show you if I can just figure out my Zoom thing here is in my way. There we go. So let me get this out of the way. So now, if I come back here, we are basically at more or less the last summer. Uh, uh, swing highs before we started the major leg down. Okay, so we had the, the the bounce, the dead cap bounce going from June, early July, mid July, late July into mid August, and then in mid August we basically, um, uh, you know, we got back into the zone of the massive correction we're in. So that means that all of these support and and um, uh, you know, different lines that I would draw here in terms of, uh, you know, support uh, on the way down or resistance on, on the way up no longer matter. Okay. So effectively, the question is, what is between us at 24,500 and above? And if you look at the charts, and I'm sorry for moving around so quickly here, but if you look at the charts, let me zoom in here a little bit, right? There is not much resistance on the way up here. I think we're going to see some resistance at 40k. We may get a correction, but honestly, I would not be surprised if we hit 100k this year. And I'm not saying that because I'm here to shill anything. I'm just saying it because that's what the technicals are telling me. That's what the macroeconomic situation was telling me. Okay? I'm holding either way for the long term, but I'm telling you this is a pretty interesting setup right now which leads me to believe that it's not going to be straight up. I do would not be surprised if we got a significant correction this summer. If you can't stomach it, it probably means your position size is too large and you should make your position size smaller. Bitcoin is going to be 10x higher at some point. I don't see how it doesn't happen, right? It's got a fixed float. A lot of it's been lost and, and more and more people want it, including institutions that are coming in in droves right now. So it's going 10x higher. If you can't stomach the swings, it's fine to set up a smaller position for yourself and not give yourself ulcers worrying about these huge intra-week swings, okay? If I look at Ethereum, on the other hand, also you know, pretty much consistent with, uh, with Bitcoin, slightly more volatile, got the same big pullback, not as big as I'd wanted or hoped. I was hoping to get to 13, 1350 down here, uh, which would have basically bounced off resistance. And I think easily propelled us to 2000. Uh, but uh, we got the smaller pullback, which means we are going to go up, in my opinion, but it may be choppier. Look, we may still get that retest, retest of 1350. That would not be a bearish signal to me. If we got a retest of 1375 or 1350, that just means that we didn't wash out all this, maybe the little bit of over leverage that we had from last week. And, you know, the rubber band will still uh, recoil and, in my opinion, propel us to 2000, which I think is the next stop for for Ethereum. Okay. So like I said, I think it's interesting times ahead. By the way, a couple of you have mentioned to me, why don't I talk about Abra more and our existing services on Money Talks? Honestly, because if you're watching Money Talks, you're probably an Abra customer already uh, or wannabe. And, and so I normally don't do this, but I am going to like just remind you, if you go to abra.com, there are three sections on the site. If you're a, a consumer, uh, you can go to our individual and press get started and you can see all the services we offer for crypto trading, um, earning yield if you're outside the US or if you're an accredited investor, you can also earn yield through our security offerings. And um, you can, of course, continue to borrow against your, your crypto holdings. If you're a private client, which is generally means 
somebody who's um, uh, large uh, financial status or, or, or good financial status warrants more of a high touch experience, uh, you can get a dedicated account manager. Or if you need help with your family office getting into crypto, we have a team dedicated to helping you there. We've, we're fully live with our over-the-counter trading desk where we're not only doing spot trading, but we're doing derivatives. Um, and you have also have access to our funds. And of course, then uh, we don't get many people from the institutional world watching Money Talks, but we do get some. Uh, we do have a, a, a great array of institutional services now, and you should check it out. Okay, and and uh, you know, give us a call or press the Get Started button, and the institutional team will be in touch. Whether it's for borrowing against holdings or getting access to our funds, if you're a fund of funds, uh, and also um, you know, dealing with uh, order execution for spot and derivatives and other um, other uh, order types. Okay. All right. So um, I mentioned the fear and greed index. It's at 61. And I wouldn't be surprised if it's a little bit higher this morning because we just basically recovered some of yesterday's losses or yesterday's pullback. Uh, I'm surprised that it's this high, given you know what's happening in the markets and all of the um, all of the uh, government actions that have been happening this week, which I'll talk about uh, in the next in the next segment here. So it does concern me a little bit. I would have hoped that the greed index would have kind of wound itself down via the last uh, the last rundown and, and, and deleveraging that I think took place two days ago. It is what it is. You know, we could still end up in a euphoric status uh, by by the time the spring comes around in a month. Um, and, you know, it, like I said, price will lead the way. I am a little concerned that we're overheated in the short term, uh, but that means absolutely nothing. Uh, it's just my personal feelings of having been in the market for a long time. All right, let's get into some market news. First up, SEC. Uh, the SEC has its sights on crypto. It is going hard after the crypto space. First uh, on their list was Kraken. They basically did a shakedown of Kraken, in my opinion. I don't think that uh, Kraken would have lost this fight or they would have basically come to a settlement that restructured the offering. But basically, they forced in, in, their, in their mind Kraken to shut down their staking service and, and Kraken paid a $30 million penalty. Um, the Kraken service was a bit of a gray area versus other uh, staking services that are out there because uh, Kraken uh, was basically pooling funds and it was unclear how they were investing in staking. Uh, we'll talk about others in, in a second. If you are in the US and you use Abra uh, staking for yield. So on the ETH side, for example, we offer yield via loan lending and yield via staking. Both um, are offered as a security offering. I don't believe that the way we're doing staking is a security offering, but it's fine. We capitulate it anyway and do the normal securities disclosures and uh, basically uh, operate through, um, again, I'm not a lawyer, so I apologize for my incorrect terminology, but the exemption is that we only offer this to accredited investors. And those of you who use it know that you went through um, an accreditation um, uh, verification process. And so, you know, I have mixed feelings about this. Uh, I'll talk about Coinbase in a second, but, but you know, uh, Jake from, um, I, I think it's um, Coin Center, I may have that wrong, either Blockchain Association or, or Coin Center. Uh, he's fantastic. He has a great perspective on uh, a lot of these enforcement actions and um, the SEC and CFTC actions. Um, the SEC thinks staking as a service is a security. 
Kraken didn't admit or deny either way. It may be a tough question, but the SEC hasn't answered it either way today. And that's correct. They didn't because of nuances in what they were complaining about around what Kraken was doing. Meaning you can offer a stake in theory, I, I believe you can offer staking as a service with, without it being a security, and you can offer staking as a service with it being a security. Meaning if you're pooling funds, you know, doing things that that commingle different investments, turning something that is an investment contract into an investment contract. And to that end, right, uh, Coinbase basically came out and said that there were a number of misinformed uh, comments around uh, staking, and um, they are firmly in the camp that their staking as a service offering is not a security and uh, or an illegal security offering. And they basically went on the offensive. And in a very interesting rant, uh, Paul uh, Gruel, who I believe is a uh, attorney for Coinbase, basically explained in in very stark terms, and you can check it out on his Twitter feed here, uh, why um, why it's not a a security. And they're very transparent that we do not lend, borrow, trade, or otherwise use tokens without their consent. And when it comes to our staking offering inside of Abra Boost, we actually do the same exact thing. The big um, the 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 big difference being, um, of course, that we've just capitulated and we offer it um, under a securities uh, model today anyway. Okay. Um, that may change in the future, depending upon where all of this plays out in terms of future um, uh, cases. I think that ultimately the right way to do staking is you have your assets, you stake, you get your yield, right? And anybody who's there as a middleman, like Abra or Coinbase or anybody else, is simply there to create an easier user experience so that you don't screw it up. But effectively, it's your staked assets, it's your yield, and you don't have to worry about it, okay? And I think that eventually um, that will be deemed money transmission, uh, which is how we're regulated today. And uh, that will not be, <clears throat> excuse me, I don't have any water in here, um, but that will not be deemed a security offering. Okay, so I hope that makes sense. Um, it's a complicated topic, even for us, and we're in the middle of it, uh, but I'd be happy to answer questions uh, if you have any on this topic. All right, so on to uh, other interesting topics, Tornado Cash. I've talked about Tornado Cash many, many times on Money Talks. It is horrifying, uh, in my opinion, what is happening here. Yes, it is obvious that the Tornado, the, the tornado Cash contracts were used for money laundering. These contracts are software. In my opinion, in the United States, software is protected free speech. Now, this person is in a Dutch jail, not in a United States jail. This person has already been in the jail, in jail, I believe, for upwards of 90 days. I don't remember. Um, but anyway, he was just um, uh, kind of, you know, reaffirmed as, as uh, staying in jail with no charges filed against him. Uh, you know, no... Um, you know, specifics as to when he would be able to get out, no chance for bail, uh, and there's no charges. So uh, not even clear, you know, how bail would work in that model. So the Dutch model is, um, yeah, uh, it's very odd. So you can see here, the Dutch public prosecutor alleges that rather than merely publishing code, this person and others ran Tornado like a business, comparing them to bank clerks accepting piles of suspicious cash without question. Now, I've looked at this. I have seen no evidence that this was anything more than a software code solidity contract published to the blockchain. Uh, I have seen no evidence that what the Dutch prosecutor is saying is true. If they would publish that evidence, which I think is going to have to happen anyway, then that might change certain people's perspective. But even if it is true, 
what the prosecutor is saying. Why are you not charging this person with a crime and basically putting them through due process in a democratic society such as um, such as, uh, as as Holland? The Netherlands is a democratic system. This person should be charged or released. That is my opinion. And unless they can pr produce evidence to the court that says there's a reasonable likelihood of conviction that this person really was running an illegal bank, uh, then um, they should he should be set free under uh, normal um, you know free speech uh, tenets. That's that's my opinion, and I feel very very strongly about this. This is a huge case for the future of DeFi. Uh, make no bone about it. It's the first time that the government has gone after a DeFi-based contract in this way, right? And they're gonna push the limits, in my opinion, of what they think they can do. All right, so speaking of DeFi, um, uh, Terra Labs, uh, Do Kwan, uh, was charged by the SEC with committing fraud. Uh, I think that uh, the SEC actually has an interesting case here. I think that the way Terra Luna was set up, if it was executed correctly, was probably not fraudulent. I, I I could be totally wrong on that. However, I think the actions of Do Kwan uh, before and after uh, the DPEG started, where they were transferring tens of millions of dollars into Swiss bank accounts was totally fraudulent. And I don't see how um, they're going to get away with that. And his expectation that he's going to get away with it seems to be very, very misguided. So I suspect he will be caught. I suspect he will be sent back to South Korea first, where he's also uh, been, uh, I believe, indicted for crimes uh, related to uh, the collapse of, of Terra Luna. And we will see how that, that plays out. Now, with everything going on with regulatory crackdowns post FTX, everybody tripping over themselves to be consider themselves the regulatory police, the insanity that I'm seeing out of certain members of US Congress who would just as soon ban crypto. Remember, this is software, folks. Use it or don't use it. Um, it's it's um, it's crazy and, and very disturbing what I see going on. But what makes me hopeful here is this idea that, you know, yes, CFI was probably a necessary stop along the way, but the markets, including Abra, are clearly moving towards a DeFi-centric world, right? And, and if you think about it, in, first of all, DeFi didn't exist five years ago, right? The, the, nobody talked about DeFi, right? Uh, the stack of DeFi services, whether it's for trading, uh, for derivatives or spot, borrowing and lending, right? Um, the ability to maintain your own keys in a very simple way using like new multi-party computation technology, uh, the ability to have transparent transaction processing and the ability to uh, support uh, stable coins and payments without a central trusted third party. It's incredible, right? All of this stuff has been created mostly on the backs of the original work of Ethereum over the last five years, right? It's, we're in 2023 and 2017. This model didn't exist, yet here we are, okay? So I believe that we're going to have a new set of banking services emerge Let's call them Web 2.5. I'm not a huge fan of the Web 3 terminology, but let's call them Web 2.5, which is kind of this interim step between, you know, you're accessing banking systems directly via the internet with no bank and somebody like Abra who gives you a very compelling user experience where you may actually be using DeFi, but you don't really have to know. The disclosures, of course, explain that you're using DeFi, but you really don't have to know what you're doing. 
in terms of how DeFi works. It would be akin to streaming a video on Netflix, right? When you, when you watch a video on Netflix, it is incredibly complicated what's going on in the background. I could throw out some fancy buzzwords like the software running on your phone or on your laptop or on your television creates a, a what we call a TCP IP based socket to a server running somewhere else, which creates a stream. Those use uh, streaming and web-based protocols to help you watch video, right? DeFi basically uses web and, and internet-based protocols to re-implement banking. Now, I would posit that most of you have no idea how a money market account works, how a bank-based repo transaction or reverse repo transaction works, and a lot of the other pieces of the banking stack that we're completely reliant on, never mind bonds themselves, but yet you all use them. I think DeFi is going to evolve over the next five to 10 years in a very similar way, but in a way that opens up the banking systems and markets that adopt this are going to leapfrog, right? Historically, uh, you know, uh, US centric banking markets. I think I mentioned this to you about a year ago when, when Russia invaded Ukraine, that we basically, I think it was February 24th, so basically uh, it'll be a year next week, when we canceled Russia in one day by effectively removing them from the Swiss interbank system. And since that time, they have been scrambling to basically put settlement systems in place that allow them to trade oil and maintain business relationships with the likes of China and Middle Eastern countries, and even Europe for that matter, uh, in order to keep their war machine running. And DeFi, now I'm not saying that we should care about DeFi because it represents a way for dictators to get around the banking system. I'm just making it very clear that DeFi has no off switch and it doesn't matter whether you're a good actor or a bad actor, you can use the internet. The, the internet is open to all people, good actors or bad actors. DeFi will be open to all people, good actors or bad actors. It will be up to the world to decide how to police bad actors, just as it is in the internet era. <clears throat> excuse me, just as it is in the internet era, okay? And I don't think that uh, any regulator is going to be able to stop this at large scale, okay? That doesn't mean there's no room for regulation in this model, okay? I do believe in uh, anti-money laundering uh, rules for certain types of actors. I, I do believe in um, certain financial intermediaries being responsible to certain financial regulators where it makes sense. I think the pendulum has swung too far in the other direction. And the events of the last six months certainly have not helped the pendulum in this regard, but it will right itself over time, whether we like it or not, because competition um, will figure that out. Okay, so as I've said to you, I'm I'm super bullish on the future of DeFi as the basis for uh, banking, um, you know, securities, commodities, uh, all kinds of trading, uh, you know, pay international payments and settlements, I think are all going to migrate to DeFi Rails. Swift-based payment settlement is arcane, okay? It takes days to do a financial settlement when messages move around the internet in real time, right? You can settle a stablecoin transaction, right, using crypto rails, Ethereum, or other blockchains in a few seconds, right? Why aren't we using this model for cross-border payments, we will be is the answer. And I think uh, the markets are starting to get that. And that's why I think it's the future of DeFi. Okay, that's my update for today. Um, I would love to hear your thoughts on particularly CeFi versus DeFi. 
what Abra's role in that might be. Leave your thoughts, comments, questions uh, on the Twitter feed, Facebook, here in, in YouTube, and, and we'll check them out. Uh, we'll try to do an AMA next week. We're running a little late on time. Uh, but in the meantime, wish you all a wonderful, happy weekend, and we will see you next week on Money Talks. Take care, everyone.